Everything F1. Driven by fans, for the fans. And it's lights out and away we go! is still on provisional pole. This time for Stefan and Hamilton have crashed out. It's McLaren and Ricardo that win the Italian Grand Prix. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Welcome to the Everything F1 podcast. I am James Tiller, and alongside me today from the Everything F1 team, we do have Cara. Hi, Cara. How are you? Hi, James. I'm good. I'm very excited to be back on the pod. Mm-hmm. You've, and we've got a good race to speak about as well. Well, I felt it was a good race. How did you feel about the race? Just sum up your thoughts initially. I think sometimes with the Dutch Grand Prix, you're not that excited, but mm. it was actually quite exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It gave us some Thrills and spills to speak about, so I'm looking forward to getting into it. We've also got alongside us Stephanie. Hiya, Stephanie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. You? Yeah, really good. Some of your thoughts for the weekend? I'm excited to see what Mercedes can do. This is what I'm looking at now, is more than anything. They had a positive weekend, although you wouldn't necessarily agree with that if you were... Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> were there at the time and you thought there yeah. would be more for them but uh, the the step that they've made is positive for the rest of the season we've also got alongside us one of our fans actually that we brought alongside us today you can see him if you're watching on facebook live you see you know covered from head to toe in <laughs> ferrari memorabilia so i think it's very easy to tell who he supports but it's jr hi jr how are you hello everybody how are you thank you Yeah, well, thanks very much for coming to chat to us today. Hopefully, you can kind of give us an insight into how your team did uh, over the weekend. I'll do my best. I was was happy to see us get a podium. I will say that, so. Yeah, absolutely. Damage limitations, that was, I think, for for what was, again, an eventful weekend. We'll just call it eventful. Indeed. Uh, Probably probably the best way to describe it at this point. Well, we are Everything F1. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. We've got TikTok as well. You can also find us on our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com, where we update it daily with news articles from around the world of motorsport. You are also listening to us on this podcast. We would love it if you were to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop. We'd also love it if you give us a five-star review, if you like what you're hearing. And if you do give us a five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out on one of our latest shows. Now, let's get into the Dutch Grand Prix review. I'm going to go straight over to guest panelists. Let's sum up the race for you on the whole. Overall, I thought it was very impressive. Like one of our other friends said earlier, usually don't expect a whole lot from the Dutch Grand Prix. Not a lot of opportunities to pass but this was anything unlike that from my recollection from start to finish it seemed like every few laps there was some action going on so Mm. i was pleasantly surprised minus the aforementioned ferrari botched pit stop outside of that i thought there was action across the board but that's just me 
yeah, I thought it was a good race. I'd say probably a quiet patch at the start. Obviously, we had the, the initial off-the-line action, but maybe probably about 10, 15 laps were a bit quiet on the quieter side for me. But then all, all the action happened and all the strategy calls were being made and mistakes being made and DNFs happening all <laughs> over the shop, causing safety cars and, and whatnot, which helped build the excitement for the race weekend. Stephanie. We'll talk about Red Bull. Obviously, Max Verstappen was the eventual victor. It didn't look like it was going to be that way for various points in the race. What What were your thoughts on Max's race? As a Max fan, <laughs> quite nail-biting. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that he obviously prevailed and, and managed to, to take home his the win and, and win his uh, home GP. But I don't know. I uh, there was a, there's a quite a few moments where I was I found myself sat shouting at the TV, you know, saying, "Bring him in! Bring him in! Bring him in now!" And then it get, mm. you know, five or six laps later, I'd be like, it's too late. It's too late to do anything now. You've lost it. You've lost <laughs> it. And I'm like, oh, honestly. But then, you know, things happen. Yellow flags arise. Safety cars happen, you know. And, and it, it becomes the saving grace of the race, really, which, you know, is good for Red Bull. Maybe not so good for other teams. But we won't talk about that, so. Yeah, it's it, it's great for Max Verstappen because now he can just basically not turn up for the next four races and still be in the lead. Uh, so it's great for his championship. It's very, very unlikely that anyone else will catch him this season now. I think it's pretty wrapped up, but there's still some excitement to have because the Mercedes did look like they were on form and did look like they were pushing to obviously compete for that top step. Cara, let's talk to you about Mercedes then. Uh, great weekend marred with a bit of kind of maybe slightly poorer decision making but it's a positive step for them for the rest of the season yeah i mean i was watching it and i think i turned to my partner like you know mercedes they just get everything right with the the decision calls and you know maybe it was me that jinxed it there um (laughs) and then it was literally such a cliche a repeat of abu dhabi you're the front leader you can't compete on medium tires you have to put the fresh tires on to have a chance and you know Mm. they're so normally so preventative in their strategy they're thinking ahead but for some reason in that one call they just can't seem to foresee oh yeah everyone's going to be well faster on softs and then you know George some people said that was a selfish call but he would have been overtaken as well and that would have been worse off for the team if he didn't put the softs on he sort of and he scraped this second place but that's completely overshadowed by what you know, Lewis Hamilton leading the race for however many laps and it could have been that first big win for him. I think they said he's won and he's started on pole in every single season of F1 he's ever competed in and he's yet to do either and we're sort of halfway through. But as a Mercedes fan, it's exciting. And I think when they do eventually win this season, touch wood, it's going to be even sweeter because they've got so close now and you can really feel this momentum coming. Let's put it this way. You could tell that he was so frustrated because he knew it was on the cards. Obviously, he came out onto the radio and used many, many expletives that we don't (laughs) want to repeat on the podcast itself. But these things happen during... And we had to defend kind of Alonso last week. So I I just want to defend Lewis Hamilton uh, in, in, in this instance. You know, they're going however fast they're going, the emotions running high, the adrenaline's pumping through their body. They say things that they probably don't mean uh, in the first instance. And then upon reflection and after the race, you know, he said, you know, we've got a lot of positives to take away from the weekend. You know, I I was just caught in the moment and I probably just lost my head a bit. It clearly shows you just how much he was in, in the moment of that race and kind of how passionate he is about the sport still, even though he's had such a, a poor season comparatively. Well, let's talk about the, the red team, JR, because, It's good to have a natural, a a, a fully fledged 
Ferrari fan with us because they we have kind of had a, a bit of slate of the Ferrari team from non-Ferrari supporters. It would be good to kind of have an opinion from from one of one of the Tifosi themselves, <laughs> albeit the American Tifosi. JR, su- sum up the Ferrari race then for us. If I can, I'll, I'll do my best because if you bear with me here, the start of this season, literally everybody, and I mean mm. everybody, was talking about it's going to be Red Bull versus Ferrari all season long. And if my memory serves, I think we only got a snippet of that. And at the very beginning of the season, it looked like Ferrari was indeed going to be able to keep up with Red Bull and maybe not just keep up with them, but take off. And I think it was as soon as the Saudi Grand Prix, little stupid, silly mistakes were getting made. And Max just trails off into the distance and, and slowly, but, and I see you smiling slowly, but surely uh, I'm just sitting over here. Like what happened? It was right there. I could reach out and no, like you said a second ago, Max is untouchable. I think he's what 98 points ahead of Leclerc at this point. But as far as, as far as to sum up for this race for the Dutch grand Prix, everything looked great. Uh, at the start, uh, minus that little bump that Hamilton and Sites had on lap one in the first turn, I was like, mm. okay, all right, not bad. We're getting there. Go, 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 go. And I think it was lap 15, and we had a 11 or 12-second pit stop because nobody knew where the left rear tire was. So yeah. at that point, I just kind of sat back in my chair, and I was just like, no, Okay. <laughs> it's another one of those weeks yeah yep that's that's what it was and uh, i was happy to see right at the very end leclerc was able to pass hamilton i think it was on lap 66 he got around hamilton and i was like all right he's gonna at least get a podium yes okay mm-hmm. that works and i mean that was the best we could hope for so overall i was happy about it disgusted about the strategy as per usual, and the silly mistakes that our, my team keeps making. But I was happy to see Leclerc on, on a podium. So there's always that. That's a positive to take away from the weekend. Best of the rest. But <laughs> it could have been so different with uh, Carlos Sainz being up there too. This race was pretty much, I think, won because of Saturday's performance. Would you agree, Stephanie? You know, obviously, it's, it's a very difficult track to overtake at. Max obviously doing the, the best he could in that instance but if the mercedes were able to finish that lap on the qualifying day maybe if perez hadn't gone off i'm not screaming conspiracy theories here it was completely (laughs) it was just it just happened but had he not done that and had the mercedes been able to kind of get that on pole i think it would have been a completely different race do you agree yes but i don't believe that the mercedes would have been put on pole if he would have finished the lap regardless he just wasn't, right, okay. the stats just weren't coming back and adding up right, you know. I mean, it's it's all well and good for the for the garage to be coming out and saying, oh, we would have we'd have had it on pole if it hadn't been for him coming off the track and, and stopping the session. I get that. I, I, I get the passion and I, I get the, the anger, but the stats and just weren't coming back, you know. George wasn't all-time fastest in sector one and two, for instance, you know, and mm. it just wasn't adding up to me. And, uh, but, but even so, yeah. they might have been, you know, second or third rather than, yeah, you know, course. where, they, where maybe, they were, you know, so yeah, they it could have, have been a bit more competitive. Yeah, they could have been a spanner in the works, definitely. And, you know, if they'd have been on the first or second row, they, you know, it could have been a spanner in the works for, for Max and, and fair enough, yeah, it would have been a complete different race. You know, as you said yourself, it's a really, really hard track to overtake on. 
And realistically, mm. when I look at it, turn one is really the only safest place to overtake on a track like that, you know. So I think it is really all about sort of the, the, the lap times that you put in on the Saturday, uh, you know, qualifying as to how the, the race is going to pan out. And, and that's probably why that the Dutch Grand Prix is so boring because, you know, it really <laughs> is about how the person qualifies and, and then who goes on thereafter. Cara. I want to talk about Albon and Gasly, but I also want to add that even though Mercedes didn't, you know, qualify one, one, two, they still mm-hmm. at the key part of the race were like one, two. And then it was yeah. their strategy that threw that away. So I don't know if it would have made that much of a difference. So Gasly was 11th and Albon was 12th. And I was thinking, Albon, we've got a, a repeat of George here, another Williams like punching above his weight. And I think that's really exciting. I know, I think he races under the Thai flag, obviously a British driver as well. And yeah. some may say that the Latifi isn't the best leveler. We're not quite sure. We're not going to know <laughs> from next season. And that's a big topic as well. Who's going to come into that seat? But I think, you know, when you see a driver putting a car up, you know, almost in the points there and having mm. a really good Saturday as well. And he's sort of on a run of a few races now that are going really well. I think as a fan, you love an underdog. It's exactly what you want to see. And then yeah. Gasly, 11th. It's a shame because I feel like week in, week out last year, we were talking about Gasly. He was putting in incredible qualifiers. He was almost, it wasn't a fluke, but, you know, finishing like fourth and really putting that car where it shouldn't be. And I feel like this year when all the seats are suddenly available, he hasn't maybe got the car or he's just not being able to perform that way again. He's actually been outperformed by his teammate uh, in a lot of the races. Obviously, Tsunoda DNF, which we can talk about in a moment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that. But but yeah, but but on the whole, for the season, you know, he's been he's been outperformed by Tsunoda. So I think which when, is right. Which is what I'm saying. I saw eleventh, and I thought, oh, that's pretty good for Gasly this season. Which, when you reflect <laughs> on last year, would have been, oh, he's having a poor race there. So maybe yeah. there is a slight change there. And if he's in these talks for potential contract seats, he's like, right, I need to really prove myself here. Definitely. I, I also. Uh, Sorry, I, I also think, feel like he's stagnated a little bit after, you know, is he knows that he's not going to be going back up into Red Bull, into the Red Bull seat. So I feel like he's just sort of stagnating. He doesn't really have anywhere to progress to. So the realistic only sort of move that he can make is to another team. And I feel like that's sort yeah. of why he is he's performing the way he is as well. You know, it could be the car. It could be that he's not getting along with it as well this, as this season as last. But I just don't feel like he's as motivated to be in that team you know he knows that there's no natural progression for him to move up into you know he's just in the bottom sister team and it's all they're doing worse or whatever else you know that they're just not performing as high as what Red Bull are and and that's just the way that it has been for a long time and and Gasly knows that he's not going to get that Red Bull seat so I feel that's that's what you know he's stagnating with that. Yeah, and there may be a move on the cards, but we will discuss that after the race review because that's an interesting topic, talking about seats and movements for the rest of the season. JR, let's go back to you. Can you, well, let, dis, let's discuss, because we've, we've mentioned Gasly, let's let's talk about Tsunoda and the you know convenient time for him to go off with uh, with an issue. Now, again, I'm not going to say you know these yeah. conspiracy theories. I'm, I, I don't believe that at all. It's, it, it is obviously a... a you know, some kind of fault with the car, not planned 
at all by either <laughs> the Red Bull team or the AlphaTauri team, but it's just very convenient. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna subscribe to or endorse the gajillion conspiracy theories that I've also seen on just about every F1 social platform. But I will say it was very odd since Yuki has been in that car with AlphaTauri. I've never seen him have that type of a struggle or anything. And come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen any driver have that type of difficulty where, and I mean, all of us saw it. He went in, wasn't exactly sure what was happening, fiddled with his seatbelts for about five minutes, went back out and was driving like he was having a Sunday drive, wasn't driving at speed at all. And Mm. then that was it. And, and, uh, you know, the insanity began from there. I think that was a pretty big stretch of the imagination to have to imagine Red Bull saying to Alpha Towery, Hey, we need you guys to help us Mm. out here. They're 98 points ahead of Leclerc. I seriously doubt they would do that to somehow fudge it. So Hamilton couldn't win at Max's home track. I'm sorry. I mean, that's just a very far stretch of the imagination and no motivation for them to do that whatsoever. So, yeah. Yeah. And and I I also want to mention about this as well. Hannah Schmitz, who's the Red Bull strategist, has had lots of grief over social media from certain supporters let's just leave it like that and Um, that doesn't that's completely unfounded unneeded uncalled for and you should literally just stop using social media and and log out of every every platform that you've got if you have those opinions because it's just crazy to do those sorts of things based off the back of some freak accident or freak incident that happened. It's uh, unbelievable the amount of abuse that has been withered upon her since since what happened at the Dutch Grand Prix. It's just outrageous, some of the stuff that people have sent to her and said to her and tagged her, I mean, her and things. It's just She's just doing her job at the end of the day. She's strategizing. Yeah. She didn't have she does she doesn't control the Alpha Tower team. No. She doesn't <laughs> a direct line to Sunoda. Sunoda, <laughs> press that red button. Wheels fall off and yeah. <laughs> You can see on the team boxes her leaning back and handing notes to people and say, pass that down. Like, no, come on. No. 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 It, it doesn't make sense. And, the, you know, I think Drive to Survive has done a lot of really positive things for the sport. But what it has done is brought in a lot of fans. And with lots of fans, you're going to always have what was once a small, toxic a portion of fan base. has a bigger, you've got a bigger pond now of, you know, toxic fan base unfortunately yes so if you have those sorts sorts of thoughts sort yourself out this is a sport everyone's there to enjoy themselves they're doing their job they don't need abuse on social media because your driver didn't get where you wanted them to be i've commented on many social media sites and i've seen that and i have referred to them as just that i'll type something like god help me another Netflix F1 fan has entered the room. It's just, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I'm not tarring all Netflix no, fans no, no. with the same brush. But, but no. it, it, what happens with, with an influx of lots of people yeah. is you're going to have an influx of some bad bad eggs. I we'll agree. That. I agree. Stephanie, let's talk about who else had a, who else had a great race? Alonso. Alonso and the Alpine team in general. That, that car is performing better and better every race, it seems. And Alonso is putting that car you know, in some some great positions. He had some great overtakes and really kind of positive racing coming from, yeah, from them. Yeah, um, it makes me wonder why he's moving. 
Honestly, he's doing so well. Because he could get a two-year contract with uh, with Aston. I guess that's the only real reason. Yeah, I guess guess that. But, you know, they're they're just doing a lot of, you know, the the sort of competition going on between McLaren and and Alpine is just, you know, they are the midfield and they are the the best of the rest, effectively. And and they're doing Mm. very well. You know, they're doing a lot better than than McLaren, I feel, in race time. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, but... It's got to be said, and you know, McLaren is really struggling with the car this season, and Alpine have just sort of got on with it, you know, put their heads down and sort of just worked on what they needed to work on, and and they've mm. they really have pulled that car together, and you know, they're doing really well, and and obviously, you know, I mean, Alonso, he's just great anyway. So, but yeah, you know. Yeah, massive respect to Alonso. At his age, I know we we're not we shouldn't use it as a as a, as a you know, a negative because obviously he's he he is Alonso and he he is one of the best drivers that we've had. He's just made some really poor decisions. I'm wondering whether he also has made a poor decision to go to Aston Martin, but maybe it's just a paycheck for the last couple of I years. I don't want it's to say time it. Time and fun. But I just feel that's where drivers go to retire. <laughs> Aston Martin have big plans. They have big plans. I think yeah, struggles sold in the yeah. dream. Okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you know, it's it's nice having big plans, but you know, but but Alonso, you know, he took that time out. He retired, then came back, and I think it was like what a handful of races, and then he was like back straight up to speed again. And it was as though he just never took that time off, and I was like. Mm amazed but, but but yeah i mean he's he's just a great driver i mean all 20 drivers on that grid are very 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 talented that you know they wouldn't be there if they weren't and it really seriously mm. is the car it really is that's what makes the difference you know between them all so i know i was excited to see him come back i mean i you know i had flashbacks of when he was tearing it up at reno and and i was like wow alonzo's coming back you know this is going to be great and you know yeah He's he's gone and made another Alonso decision. Yeah, uh, but the performance this weekend was impressive, and Ocon as well. You know, did it was a couple of places back, but he still did a very good job. And on the whole, the Alpine team, as Stephanie did mention, are doing a, a hell of a lot better than, unfortunately, my team, McLaren. Oh. Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo are two poles apart. <laughs> unfortunately, Ricciardo is right at the back there, not performing very well at all. And Lando Norris is carrying that team and getting he he has ninety percent of all the points that they, that they've scored this season himself. You know he's carrying that team to where it is currently. Cara, who else do we need to speak about? I, I'm a big Vettel fan, and now I'm like, am I talking about negatives? But is he in retirement mode already? He's sort of <laughs> yeah had a few really bad qualifying, really bad races recently, and mm. yeah, he's been out in. Q1 and it's like what's going on here and then Stroll on the other hand had a really good qualifying and quite a good race and obviously like like I've said previously that's always your leveler yeah and it's a shame because I'm sure like you know people who've been a fan of F1 for ages will always see Vettel as this championship winning driver and I think in a you know he's he's said openly that his priorities are perhaps in a different place now and if the enjoyment isn't there it's a simple equation you're not going to get the most out of the car yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with you there. A once great driver. He's probably helping the Aston Martin team no end. You know, he's gonna he's got a lot of experience to draw from. He can help them develop that car. But is he yeah, is his heart in it? Probably not. He got in the way as well uh, of Hamilton and <laughs> yeah. the Max Verstappen. Afterwards, he's like, 
well, what could I do? I can't disappear. I, I, I came out the pit and they, they were right, right behind me. I, on such a narrow track, there really is minimal places to kind of get out of the way. I can see where he's coming from, but was a bit clumsy. I did my best not to laugh at him. I really did because I really <laughs> do like Vettel. But when he came out of the pits and there's a raging battle behind him between <laughs> Hamilton and Sergio and Vettel's out there just having a Sunday drive. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Get out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was, God bless him. I love him. Sebastian Vettel. He's not just, you know, a four-time champion champion he's a great he's a great person too i mean i think he's demonstrated that time and time again yeah and he doesn't know what he's going to be doing next year he hasn't made any plans but when asked if he was going to go over to formula e he had a very very negative opinion <laughs> uh, of formula e <laughs> yes, and he, he made he made everyone aware of that which is a shame because formula e is trying to be progressive eco-friendly racing series but he criticized the batteries and said you know it's not technology that's going to be used in the cars so what is the point in it and it kind of rubbed up the fe community the wrong way yeah. um, lucas tograssi was one vocal person across social media we had lucas on the podcast before very eloquent person but yeah you know it's a shame. I think people had him pegged as the eco-warrior that would go across to FE, and, and that's kind of put paid to that sort of speculation anyway. So what it, what he'll be doing, we don't know. Plans, no plans is the best plan, you know? So <laughs> after all of that travelling and constant moving around all the time, maybe that's just what he wants, you know? So he might be washing the car on a Sunday afternoon, you just never know. <laughs> um, he's a massive f1 I, I i can't see him not being in the sport at all completely i i think there's got to be a role somewhere for him he is literally like one of the biggest driver fans of the sport he would, that you will ever see he, he knows everything to, to take a bit of a coaching role really between you know for younger drivers maybe to work with a team in that sort of direction yeah. maybe you know that would be great to see that but i just wanted to mention Haas actually kevin magnuson oh my god <laughs> Oh, what was going on? <laughs> I, I just felt like he was looking down and he just wasn't looking at where he was going. And he looked up and he was like, oh my God, there's a barrier. <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't know what was going on with him. And I was like, I was, yeah, and he I was kind so of shocked skated that. across the gravel as well, didn't yeah. he? That was on lap what? two. <laughs> <laughs> I was so shocked. But then, I, then again, I was, you know, I was really happy that Schumacher made it into Q3. That was great to see. You know, I think he's done that a few times this season and, and that's and that's great to see you know i feel like he's really coming into his which yeah. is a shame because he doesn't have a confidence seat for next year but we'll see about that but yeah i was mm. i was a little bit confused to what magnuson was doing he was a little bit away with the fairies to be fair with you he's probably looking for ferrari's spare wheel to be, to be honest so yeah it was it was a strange one wasn't it it was just a, a lack of <laughs> lack of attention lack of focus for for, a, for a, a split second and he kept it out of the barrier well kind of it carried on. Yeah. It carried on. I think he, he gave you a little kiss and carried That's on. for rectifying the issue, but anyway, we'll move. <laughs> Anyone else to speak about then from the race? I think we've probably touched on most people. I, let's talk a bit more about the battle at the end. Obviously, Hamilton didn't have the right tyre on. It had probably flashbacks from the season finale last year of having the wrong tyre at the wrong time. Yeah, it was literally exactly the same. Like, yeah, so the, at least all the lapped cars, you know, the, they got passed. And then you just literally, he overtook him straight away. He did not have a chance. And then it was depressing because then, you know, the Claire got in front as well and he was tumbling down. You're like, oh God, how bad is this going to get? And he was able to cling on somewhat. But uh, Mercedes, they, they have to learn from this. 
Mm. and they have to be more aggressive with your tire strategy yeah. pull them in if you've got a safety car Just exactly do it. double stuff and if you need to it's always you know you're when you're the race leader you're always in a vulnerable position because everyone's almost going to do what you don't do but even if he mm. pitted and max hadn't he, he he's mercedes had the speed this weekend he would have known he was going to overtake max either way and somehow they just didn't think that. And they're like, oh, yeah, if we have George as well on the mediums, then what? Oh, Max will overtake the cars in two corners instead of one. Like, yeah, mm. you, I understand. I'm, I'm getting a bit like, I understand how the Mercedes fans were fuming. But as I have said, it will make that win even sweeter. It will. And you can't fault Matt. No. That safety car pulled in and he drafted the car in front like I haven't seen happen in a long time. You know, he he just breezed. He, he got the best toe. He put it in the right place at the right time mm. and just flew straight away past. It was an amazing pass. Have you seen like the replay mm. from a bird's eye viewer? He's literally just like, oh, it was amazing. It was great. I mean, fair enough, I understand, you know, some people might have difference of opinions and it's because it's Max and Lewis and and what have you, but mm. that was so amount of driving that was impeccable. It was amazing. Absolutely. He you can definitely tell that he's grown as a driver as well. And the amount of time that he's been in F1, that is just it was just great. And it just shows you the strength of the toe as well, because he just was slingshotted in front of him pass. That pass, I mean, he was smoking. It looked like it was effortless. There was some there was an issue about that though. He was doing one of the things that they had brought up from last year and changed the rules about. And during the safety car. Max was going up next to side him and getting, side. Yep. yeah. And then they were like, I thought you weren't supposed to do this anymore. I thought this was a big deal and nobody said anything about it. And he did it right before Hamilton took off. And I was like, here we go again. <laughs> I think they probably saw that maybe he pulled in behind yeah. at just the right time, maybe to keep away any kind of penalties because of it. But yeah, I, I realized that he did do side by side for a little bit. Yes. Yes, he did. I think he pulled behind just in the right time, but it was a fantastic overtake. It was. And obviously he had the better tires, which which helps, but you've got to be skillful to get to get past on that first corner without DRS uh, as immediately after the you know safety car falls in. I so fair play to him. I can't help but feel that Hamilton should have known. He should have with this wealth of experience that he has, you know, the amount of time that he's been in the spot, I can't help but feel that he should have known while the safety car was out that he should have been on that team radio. Guys, do you not think that I should be coming in because the rest of them have all been in and they've all got fresh tires and I'm on some old mediums here. So, you know, and, and like George had that initiative. I, I almost felt as though George was hungrier for it. He had that initiative to just literally, I, I don't, I'm not too sure if you watch the replay or anything, but like he was literally at the entrance of the pit lane and he was like, I'm coming in for some softs. You, you know, I'm coming in for them. They best be ready when softs, I get there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that was it. And, and he made that split decision himself. That wasn't a team order or anything, you know, and, I just I can't I couldn't help but feel that he was hungrier for it, and then obviously when when it all unfolded and Hamilton didn't get what he wanted and what you know what he what he he thought he would be getting and, and the win, you know, he knew as soon as as soon as it before the restart he came over the radio and he was like you know it's going to be hard for me to keep this guy behind us, and Bono mm. was like you know yeah we know but just try your best and I thought to myself but why didn't you bring him in because although I'm a Max fan you know I was like sat there thinking to myself. But they've just shot him in the foot. Honestly, they might as well <laughs> yeah. just give him a puncture and just tell him to get out of the race because, oh, it was just so frustrating. Honestly, <laughs> there's footage. There's footage of Russell. He wanted to get into the pit so bad and so quick. There's footage of Russell pulling up next to Latifi, saying, "Go, go, go, move." <laughs> I mean, he was tailgating Latifi into the pits, trying to get him mm. 
you know, clear so he could get in there. So yeah, I'm, I'm with Stephanie on that. That was not just experience that, that should have been ringing in his ears right there too. But I mean, if, if Russell is new in this seat and he can do that, Hamilton should have had no mm-hmm. issue with that whatsoever. Granted, I've got the gift of 2020 hindsight right now, but still <laughs> it's, you know, all of those things come into play. And I really thought Mercedes was going to win this race. I really did. I, I was for a good 15, 20 laps. I'm like, they've got this in the bag. It's done. And then mm-hmm. everything happened. So, yeah, well, it wasn't just Sunoda that brought out a virtual safety car. It right. was Valtteri Bottas that had that engine failure. And, and and obviously that brought out the full safety car. Yeah. So it was just two occurrences, two kind of things that happened at the, exactly the right time, I guess, for, for the Red Bull team, but completely the wrong time. And it wasn't that, um, it wasn't that far apart either. It was a virtual safety car was on lap 44 and mm. on lap 55, Botas broke down. So it was virtual safety car, then full safety car. And I was like, here comes the strategy. This is, this is going to make the race right here. This is it. Yeah. So whoever ends up doing what, that's it. Should Sunoda's been a, a full safety car? Or were you happy with it being the virtual? I think I was happy with it being a, a virtual, to be fair with you, because he, he managed to plonk it right at, yeah. like, sort of a, a track exit. Granted, there was sand, whereas Bottas, he was just like, oh, I'm just going to ditch it on the pitch straight here. He was not paying a favour to his old team there, was Definitely he? Definitely not, all. no. Never mind. He, he'll, he'll still get his Christmas card, I'm sure. <laughs> I think we've pretty much summed up the whole Dutch Grand Prix, really, actually. I think we've touched on most people. Probably will be one that we've missed, but if we've missed them, it's probably because there wasn't much to talk about. Let's talk about this weekend. Coming up, one of everyone's favourite races down in Monza in Italy. JR is dancing on the Zoom call. Obviously very (laughs) excited for the weekend ahead. Uh, Go on, then. What is it about Monza that makes it so special? Not just that it's the fastest track, but the the richness and history that we have there that's you know Enzo Ferrari the home of Ferrari you know it's it's uh, I joked with you about this over the weekend and I I kind of shouldn't have phrased it the way I have but this year has just been so backwards from what I thought it was going to be but I jokingly mm. said I can't wait to see how Ferrari embarrasses themselves at home at Monza. And I'm, I regret saying that because I, I don't want to go into this weekend with negative attitude. I know in 2019, I almost broke my own house apart when Leclerc won. And, I, you know, mm. Ferrari fans around the world were going crazy. And I was like, this is it. I knew it. Leclerc was going to breathe life into Team Ferrari and we are going to come back and it, it hasn't been even remotely that. So I am excited about this weekend, no matter what, even, even if, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this, but even if there's two DNFs from Ferrari, I'm still just going to be happy that we're at Monza and I, I can see the Tafasi and how beautiful everything is. And I'll just leave it there. Yeah. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen because we yeah. do want this competition, the competition to, to kind of live up to, you know, well, we, we want some competition basically for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Let's give you the, the vital statistics. I've got them written down here. The circuit length is 5.793 kilometers. We're going to have 53 laps. The first Grand Prix was in 1950. And the lap record is currently held by Rubens Barrichello, who's done it in one minute, 21.046 seconds. 
I don't think that speed's going to be broken this year, but you never know. We we might be surprised. I doubt it, though. The car, I don't think we've had many lap records set this year, really. But we we shall see. We shall see. Stephanie, who are you expecting to do well this weekend? <laughs> Obviously, I want to say Max and, and, and Checo, you know, Red Bull. I mm-hmm. feel like that's just sort of a given that even if they don't win, I feel like they'll mm. still do well. I, I, want, I do want Ferrari to do well. It is their home race, and... You know, I don't want them to have two DNFs. Why would you say that? You know, like, don't, don't wish that upon them because they will. They'll only come out with one tire instead of three or four or however many it is. So, um, you know, don't wish that upon them. But I just, you know, I want, I want everyone to do well. But, I mean, you know, it's my, my main two teams that I'm, I'm sort of willing on this weekend is is... Red Bull and Ferrari. I'm sorry, Mercedes, but you know, mm. Danny Rick might get another win. As per last year. Something strange <laughs> has got to happen for that to occur. If that's happening. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway. Uh, this track suits the Red Bull car, actually, though, doesn't it? You know, in terms of long straight, it's it's perfect for them. I think it's theirs to lose, really. It so, is. Cara, who are you expecting to do? Are you expecting the Red Bull to kind of run away with it this weekend? Or do you yeah. think uh, Mercedes are back and they're going to? throw the spanner in the works that we that we need them to i think you've sort of said it the car the, not the car well the car is built for this track they've got that mm. straight line speed advantage so even with mercedes tweaks that have been sort of pushing them in the right direction recently I think yeah. max is going to dominate i've actually i've got a little story actually so one of the production team i've been working with recently he got to interview max perez and christian horner in the summer Ooh. and i'm a mercedes fan I, I when I I sort of when Max first came on the scene I was kind of a Max fan and then I was like nah he's immature I don't like the way he talks on the radio I'm a Lewis fan but he said so he was watching Max before the interview and he was waiting on his phone and he was all you know a bit grumpy and then as soon as Perez came in he said he just like lit up and he was like a little schoolboy like trying to impress his friend and he was like, like t- trying, like trying to make him laugh and like all jokes and stuff. And he he clearly like really looks up to Paris and like wants to impress him. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. That's really endearing that like they have that relationship. And probably thinking, mm. you know, people sort of say Max outperforms Paris and is that seat secure? But Paris is obviously such a grounding force for Max, and that's really important in their relationship. So yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe Max is nice, and I'll celebrate his wins a little bit more. <laughs> he's he just seems sweet. Have you honestly? Yeah, he's, he's great. Have you seen him with like you know his family and things like that? It's just so sweet. I mean, there's uh, there's a few videos going around, and he really likes to make people laugh. That's his main thing. So like, he really <laughs> laughs at his own jokes. Like he really finds his own jokes really funny, and I, I just don't think I'd have the nerve to be like that. To be fair, because he really just likes it, like loves to do it. He he says something, and he'll wait for somebody to laugh, and then when they laugh, he'll like be hysterical over it. And I'm like, what's going on here? But you know, he seems he seems nice. My friend did say as well while I'm on the story. He said he has never met anyone with the presence of Christian Horner. He said he just walked in the room and it was like nothing else he'd ever experienced, just the confidence and the like authority. Because obviously he's only a little guy and you kind of get those vibes that he he took over Red Bull at 33, which is just unbelievable. But I was like, oh, this is cool. This this insider info. Like you've mentioned, though, it's it's going to be a Red Bull weekend. I fear I do want Mercedes to kind of stick it up him a bit and make it difficult. I'd also like to see McLaren repeat 
the occurrence of last year, but I highly doubt that that would happen given the circumstances. There's, there's something red in there, isn't there? There's Red Bull, there's something red. That's what we can ask for. Uh, Monza, you know, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, let's let's talk about the, the the Ferrari team have brought out some yellow t-shirts and yellow kits. I don't know whether they're going to be wearing those for the weekend or whether it's just. Uh, I looked just, at it and I thought we were back in 2018 Renault. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> That's what I said. I said that. I was like, they look just like old Renault colors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So uh, whether they're going to have a, a special livery for the weekend, I doubt it. But uh, yellow could be a good color. I don't know. Could could be a change in fortune. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Let's make our predictions for the podium then. We'll go to our guest, JR, who has joined us this weekend as a Ferrari fan at Monza, the Tifosi home. Who are you predicting as your one, two, three? Are you going to go with the heart or are you going to go with the head? The heart. I have to because we're at home. It's Monza. It's, you know, it's Ferrari's backyard. So I I, I know this is silly and it's going to erupt in, in laughter as a result. But I am going to say Leclerc, Sainz and Max. It's my one, two, three. Wow. That would be great, though, wouldn't it? It would be good. Even as uh, as an impartial, well, slightly impartial <laughs> yeah. McLaren fan, I, I, I think I'd enjoy that podium. Stephanie, as a Red Bull Max Verstappen fan, I can imagine you're going to put him on, on the top step. Sorry. I am, unfortunately, I am. I mean, I'd be happy with JR's suggestion, but yeah, <laughs> Max, I, I feel Max will be in first. I think George is going to come in second again this weekend. And I think Signs will make it third. Something's going to, wrong, going to go wrong with uh, with Charles, as it normally does. They'll probably be asking him what he wants for dinner next week, to be fair with you, but uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Cara, same question to you. Now, Mercedes fan, so are you going to put Mercedes amongst the podium sitters? I'm going with, you know, I'm going with what my act, if I had to put money on it, it's not, it's not mm. the heart, sadly. I think it's going to be Max Leclerc. Then I'm going to go Hamilton. I think I think they are building momentum. I think that's a little bit of optimism, but I think they are building momentum. You've put money in it now. That's it. <sighs> <laughs> I'm going to say Max. I, I, I was I was close to saying a Ferrari then, but I'm going to say yeah. I think it's it's just too it's too obviously a Red Bull circuit. Yeah. So I'm going to say Max. I don't think Perez will put it on as on second. I think it will be a double Mercedes podium. Ah. So number two, three. What order? I don't know. Let's go for Hamilton second and George third. Exciting. Mm. Sorry, uh, Jr. Mm. I really was gonna. I really was gonna gonna put a Ferrari on for a second, and then I, I just thought, no, I can't do it. No, I can't do it. I, that's fine. If, if I was going with the heart, then I'd say, yeah, absolutely. I, I'd want Leclerc and and Signs to to put it on one two, but. Unfortunately, the head rules this weekend. What I'm, what I'm, and I understand you're entitled to your own feelings and opinions, and that's fine. What I'm truly hoping is, is that, and I do regret my DNF comment because I shouldn't have even spoken that into existence, knowing our luck this year. But what I'm really hoping is, is regardless of all the mistakes and the, you know, silly mess ups here and there, that you know they just have this, this new sense of righteousness instilled into them this weekend and say we're at home this is our house we've got to do something other than p3 or get the pole and then lose it in two laps like whatever it is we have to do if Mm -hmm. if matia has to stay in the camper all race and watch it you know on tv (laughs) with this little whatever whatever it takes to do this just 
I want to see Ferrari succeed this weekend. They've got to do it. They've got to. We're at home. They've got to do something. That's that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, I hope I hope for your sake and for the Tifosi's sake that we do get a good race from the Ferrari. I hope just I hope just they make a, the correct decision. Let's just let's just have a, a yeah a, a poor decision free weekend for Ferrari. That would be a bonus, I think. Yeah, because every race they've had something that they've done done slightly wrong or or whatnot. Let's let's hope they they get rid of that kind of curse um, at home. It'd be nice yeah. if they were actually watching the race and you know wouldn't call our drivers in while they're in the middle of a heated battle on track. That'd be a good start. <laughs> well, let's that that's our predictions and our, our kind of summary of what's going to happen at the weekend. Obviously, in this triple header, we're mega busy as Formula a Formula One media company. We've got a lot of races to talk about, but it's the last one in the triple header. We hope you enjoy it. We'll certainly look forward to reviewing it next week and see what happened. Let's talk about the news then, because we've had quite a few news stories over that have kind of dropped over the last week since the last podcast. Yes. Uh, and things that we have to talk about, driver signings, empty seats that may get filled, may there might be a team swap for certain things. So let's just get into it. I think it's quite good that we've got an American with us because there's been rumours about Colton Herter joining the sport for Alpha Tauri. He doesn't have enough super licence points at the minute based off his current situation in IndyCar. But he is a great driver, if a little inconsistent this year. And it would be a great success story for America because they do want an American driver in the sport, obviously to increase the marketability of Formula One over in the States. Can you give us your thoughts on Colton Herter joining Formula One? Is it something that you welcome with open arms, JR? Absolutely, yes. I support it 110 million percent. Like I said, spoke to you over the weekend and said at that time there was only two races left in the Indy season and I, I watched the Portland race and after the race they were speaking to Colton Herta and there was a mob of people that had left the stands and come to the pit wall and all of them I wish I could find that video because I could send it to you they were all standing behind him chanting F123 F123 so it has been all over the news here in the United States, ESPN, you name it, everybody. That, and, and and some sport, I mean, Indy really isn't as big as I would like for it to be as mm. far as what gets talked about on our sports channels here. But it, it has become like this sweeping sensation that everyone is talking about. What is Colton Herter going to do? Can they get him enough super license points to go to F1 next year? If he is going to go, where is he going to go? I I support it hands down. I think he would breathe new life into whatever team he went to. We'd have a yank, as y'all would say, over there in F1 doing this thing. So I really hope that he can do it and, and we can have something other than an American F1 team yeah. that's not that fantastic. And we could have a American driver over there that is fantastic. I just hope he does as well in an F1 car as he does in Indy, but we'll see. Yeah, but we're talking about Indy. He hasn't got enough super license points to to officially join in. So the the debate is at the moment. Uh, Marco is kind of having words with the FIA and uh, and Formula One, saying, "Can we allow this?" Yeah, uh, I want to talk talk about this whole allowance thing. Do we make exceptions just because we want an American in the sport, or do we say, you know what, no, he doesn't have the license, super license points. Give him the experience maybe on some free practice. Let him build his license points that way. He's not really proving credibility this year 
with his inconsistent scoring. I think he's not even in the top 10 this year, but he did do really well in 2020. Uh, and based off of 2020 performance, he should have had enough super license points. So, yeah, so the, but the debate is for the sake of having an American in the sport, allow him to come into the sport without the correct super license points? Or do we look to say Logan Sargent in F2 and bring him? him into the sport as an American driver that way obviously he's part of the Williams right. Young Drivers program so is Logan Sargent a better American to bring on based upon you know his performance this year I would say if if, if Logan is there and he's ready to go then that should do it to answer your question no I don't think any special exemptions should be made or mm. rules should be broken or bent to allow Colton Herta to come into F1. I, I want him to get in there and do it just like everybody else has. He doesn't need yeah. he doesn't need any special circumstances. I don't like the idea of that, but that's just me. I think then that's pressure. You know, if he gets some special ticket right. in and then he suddenly doesn't perform, or it's gonna come down like a storm. And I think completely, if you know you've got Logan here at Williams, he's ready to go in your words, Jay. And right. then you get you get best of both worlds. You get an American in and then you get Colton, you know, having his free practices, you know, earning those points the right way. And then when he's ready, he's ready to go in. Absolutely. I think the key thing for Colton Herter is he's made it very vocal that he wants to go to f1 during his career yeah. he's been very vocal about it a very outspoken ambassador I, I guess from for american fans you know this f1 is the pinnacle this is why i want to be in f1 this is why you guys should watch it over there he's been very vocal about that and i think that's probably a positive that f1 and the fia will look at and go look maybe if they were to, to give an exemption it'll be based on that fact and let's be truthful if they had two american drivers in the series uh, being <laughs> logan Sargent and colton herter how much would that increase the marketability of formula one in the states it, it would be phenomenal it would it would go through the roof because that type of press would spread like wildfire overnight i mean if they have mm. what you just said if there are two american drivers in formula one you know netflix along with everything else that would come along with that type of press and news, you know, more and more and more people would here and here in this country anyway, would start tuning into formula one more than they have. And we would get, I think more tracks, we get more coverage. If, if, you know, what was it? It was it like the Texas grand prix broke some type of record last year, like the attendance record in a F1 yeah, F1 race period. I think it was something like 400,000 mm. people turned up for that in texas and i was like wow like that's you know for here that's that's huge yeah yeah but like i said and like, and like Kara said and like you said i don't necessarily agree with giving people special treatment just because it no. increases marketability that's what have you got an opinion on this stephanie no I, I completely agree with everything you said to be fair with you i mean why should he be given special treatment and for instance, let's say he gets it, he gets it granted without, you know, having enough points and he goes on in his first few races and he has a crash, for instance, or he causes a crash or a collision or whatever it is. And, and then people start to blame him for that. They're like, well, that's because he got his special treatment to get his license and this, that and the other. And he's not ready and he's this and he's that. And like, like Kara said, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure to, to, to carry. And, and then he's got that worry in the back of his mind, like, I can't go wrong. I've got to do this right. I've got to do this right. And and then other drivers are then going to expect that treatment as well to get in, you know, if they've been, mm. if they've been offered a seat or they're looking at being offered a seat, but they can't quite make it, you know. Yeah. And we've got so much great talent in the pipeline anyway, coming yeah. from F2. 
there's so many people that deserve a seat so many people that that are you know are doing such a good job within the you know the feeder series to the to formula one it, it would be a real kick in the seat for those especially with the limited seats that we do have in the sport and that's going to be hopefully upped soon as we've got new teams coming in although there was news over the week that porsche although there was loads of rumors to say that they were going to be coming to the sport they've now stepped down and stepped away as no we're not going to be entering the sport so we'll see if red bull can come to an agreement with them because that's what it is you know it's Mm. It's all about percentage and ownerships yeah, and all that and sort of thing. It always with, comes with down Red to Bull. business and money at the end of the day, and and that's what they're disagreeing on. But Audi have confirmed to enter, and we'll see mm-hmm. what that brings. Will they be partnering up with another team that we already have on the grid, or will they be forming their own team? I always personally thought that McLaren and Audi would be a good match. I think it's I think it's Sauber actually that they're that they're buying into. Uh, the the rumors are circulating, Fair enough. and it's going to be a seventy five percent share for Audi with twenty five percent to, to I mean, Sauber. And... They're yeah. both owned by the same company. They're both Volkswagen Audi Group, you know. So uh, both Audi and Porsche. So you know they're both the exact same. But they've both got the same. Yeah. Parent, they might see the benefits that Audi get from it and they might think to come in at a later date, yeah, of course. Um, But you'll never know, you never know. Let's talk about the news that did drop after we did recorded the podcast, then it was quite big news and expected news the Oscar Piastri situation with McLaren and (laughs) Alpine. Now, they went to the contracts review board for, for, for the FIA and the ruling was brought out was it brought out on wednesday or thursday i can't remember i think it was wednesday Wednesday. yeah Yeah. the the ruling was brought out on wednesday just after our podcast went live that mclaren were the winners of that contract the only valid and reasonable contract that, that was offered to oscar piastri was indeed the mclaren one meaning that alpine have to pay all the bills and associated court costs and legal fees to the tune of five hundred thousand, and also they lose their driver young driver that they've you know, funded for the last couple of years. Oh. So it's a big, big kick in the yeah, teeth definitely. for the Alpine team. Were you shocked to hear that? We'll go to Cara. Cara, were you shocked to hear that the, the eventual move to McLaren and that, that McLaren were the winning team in this? You know what? To begin with, I kind of was on like Otmar and Alpine's side when I first heard about it and sort of the way that they were framing it, you know, that they put all this money into Piastri and they had this contract with them. Initially, you're like, oh, you know, the driver has to do what's best for them and go to the biggest team. And we should say that sort of Alpine and McLaren's no better than Alpine right now. They just have the legacy. And so I was a bit like, you know what, maybe that's not that great of Piastri, you know, he's just cutting these ties. But then now it's made Alpine look even worse because it's come out that they've stringed him along, you know, previously (laughs) with this contract. And then he's Mm. got a perfectly legitimate contract with McLaren. And then they've come out and tried to make him look bad. So I'm, yeah, I'm not surprised that Piastri has that McLaren seat. He's the hottest ticket in, you know, F1. On straight through and won basically every series he's ever entered in first time. And it's really exciting for F1 fans. You're like, is this our next superstar? He's got a lot to live up to. And you're really hoping that next year McLaren can give him and Lando, because, you know, Lando is so likable, so talented. He's got so many fans. They can give both of them a really incredible car and be this unstoppable force. But Mm. it just feels like they've still got a long way to go. Is that a big jump to make in one year? You know, we come into a new era and it tends to be the people that dominate at the start of the new era tend to dominate for most of that new era. And Mercedes somehow seem to be getting that. It would be great if we had four, you know, Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren. 
But circling back, was I surprised? No, I wasn't surprised. But I was surprised it's almost almost how badly Alpine messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. It it was it brought out the worst, but also the most enjoyable part of the part of F one, and that's all the kind of controversy that goes on <laughs> behind the scenes. You know, drivers taking snipes at each other and and team principals having goes at each other one particular i've got i've got the picture here i had to, i was just searching for it on my phone as i was as you were talking one particular episode that was was quite interesting was the fact that otmar in the interviews on the way on the run-up to the spa grand prix was like you know i, I just wish that oscar had a bit of integrity blah 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 blah. yeah really kind of barbed barbed attacked at, attacks at oscar there uh, about the situation and then zach brown came out after the weekend, and I'm, I'm just reading it off my phone here. He's put, not too long ago, he is the recipient of a 400,000 euro, 400, euro fine and 15-point penalty. I'm not sure he comes with the highest level of credibility when making accusations around ethics. That's from, <laughs> that was from Zach, Zach Brown on Otmar Safnau. So, yeah, it's it's probably my one of my favourite parts of the kind of the behind the scenes stuff when you hear all these team principals having to go at each other. But those sorts of things have happened over the weekend. I based think, on the I, I, think I, I think I sent you a meme in reference to that. It was like two cats fighting, and it was Otmar <laughs> and Zach because I, I know so many people that you know follow F one intently and and saw these articles come out and these comments getting made and mm. you know some of us are sitting at home like ooh it's getting serious <laughs> now um, we do like mm. it we do like a bit of drama yeah. i can't help but uh, feel bad for you know for ricardo he's been the the sort of the one being cast aside in this situation and and like yeah. you know yeah. it came out now that the deal was sort of done between McLaren and Piastri, you know, the day after Silverstone. And I think it was a day before Ricardo came out and 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 said publicly, you know, I am fully dedicated to this team until mm-hmm. twenty eight until the end of twenty twenty three. And the other and you know, I Is that a bargaining tactic? Well, I don't know, but I, I just <laughs> I just feel so bad for him and and like and the way that McLaren have sort of dealt with it as well was was really just sort of I felt was backhanded and I really feel like they like McLaren and Lando specifically have lost you know quite a bit of fan respect in that in that sort of area. I don't know I, I don't I, agree I don't know. I, I've got to I've got to be honest Ooh. <laughs> what, what what were they what were they to do I yeah I love Danny Rick as a person but if he isn't scoring points for the team which he's that that's his job his job is to score points for the team He's there to help them win the Constructors' Championship or get as high as they possibly can in the Constructors' Championship. And they're losing, to, well, or they're very close. Are, they, are Alpine in front now? They, they're, just, they're, no, they're, I, think they're, I think McLaren are ahead. McLaren are just ahead, yeah. just ahead still. Just but barely. They're, they're, losing, they're losing, yeah, points. They're hemorrhaging points. I get that. Week after well, week you know, because the way Dan, Danny Rick's performing. I, I love Danny Rick. I think he's a great driver. But he's just not working with McLaren. McLaren's, um, McLaren's job is to make a decent car, you know. Yeah, but Lando can drive the car. Lando can yeah, drive the car. Is Lando the first driver? Is the car specifically made for Lando, or is it made equally for both? You don't. We don't know that. We don't. The two drivers mm-hmm. get in the car. It can't be that different. I feel like if this was Red Bull, Danny Rick would not have even been driving this year. I think. And Carlos Sainz was competitive with uh, with with Lando Norris in a McLaren. Yeah, I, I think I've just been defensive of 
Uh, I think it's because he's so lovely yeah, and he has but that he's charm. Yeah, team's like first win since I think it was 2012 or something, and then they're just like mm. sort of brushing it off as though it's nothing. I get that. I just you're only as good as your last last yeah. race. Uh, you unfortunately, are, yeah. Uh, in but the like sport. like I said, you know, all the drivers that are on the grid are very 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 similar in talent. It mm. is a case of the car, and maybe he's just not getting along with the car as well. You know. I would really like it if Danny Rick was to go back to Alpha Turi. That's my sort of that's my thing. I'm rooting for that. I mean, it's not going to happen, but I would really like it if he went back to the Red Bull family because I just feel as though he would be he'd be the older one out of the two, Alpha Turi, and and I felt the car would be more suited to him. Well, let's talk about another rumor at this point, and it's been speculated by Crofty over the weekend on the the commentary team from Sky F1. And actually, I have been saying this all year on the podcast there's evidence it's all recorded <laughs> they're still live you can hear me saying i think gasly will go to alpine now alpine they've shown interest there's there's definite conversations going on yeah i i've been saying it like for a, a while now, and everyone's like no ocon hates him ocon despises him they don't get along but in my head i'm thinking french team two french drivers amazing you know that that'd work i think it will fit and and Ocon has also come out and said, no, I think we could work together. We've, we've been friendly recently, and I think we could work together. All of these things, there's a contract to get through first because Gasly is actually contracted for AlphaTauri next year. So there's got to be some kind of negotiations and buyouts to, 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 be, to be kind of taken into consideration. I think I read I think somewhere that they would release him, that they said that yeah. they would release him if there was another team interested and that he was serious with the, with the interest. It, it could happen. It probably will happen. And I think it should happen for Gasly's career. Yes, I think definitely. he's stuck it stuck in a rut at the Avatari, and I think he needs a, a new experience and a, a kind of a new kick up the bum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we say. Nico Rosberg was asked about it whether that would work if two drivers don't get on, and he was like, "Well, I didn't get on with Lewis, and we still." Yeah, he said it how it was. Equal machinery. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. Exactly. Yeah. Have we got any other news stories that we should talk about then? Has anyone seen anything else before we wrap up this podcast? No, it's just the seat. What ifs? It's all the rumors, you know, who's going where, what's happening with Schumacher at Haas. But then it's all just speculation, I suppose, at the moment. And it's quite exciting. It feels like, oh, quite a lot of movement, a lot of seats might be becoming available more than perhaps in a normal year. Yeah, there's lots of contracts that are coming to an end and lots of people without confirmations yet. So over the next few weeks, it could be quite exciting. All it takes is one one of them to drop and then everyone kind of goes, well, that means we have to do this and signs and yeah. it makes it all makes it all drop into place and, the, and kind of the puzzle is kind of put together. So we're looking forward to, to the next few weeks. Silly season reasons. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about everything. That's our podcast for the weekend, Dutch Grand Prix review and our Monza preview. We'll be back next week when we speak to Chris McCarthy and review the Monza Grand Prix. And of course, any news that does drop in the meantime, make sure you tune in next week. We are the Everything F1 team. You can find us on all our social platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and of course, our shiny website, www.everythingf1.com, where you'll find daily news to keep you updated with the world of motorsport. Thank you very much to my team for coming to chat to me this week. Thank you, Cara. It's been a while. Don't make it too long next time. We want to see you sooner. I won't. Most of the studying's done now, so hopefully I'll be back on the regular. Okie dokie. Well, that's good to hear. And Stephanie, thank you very much for coming to chat to us. Your second time on the pod, so hopefully you'll be here for a third, fourth, fifth. 
uh, in the future. Fingers crossed. We'll see. Good, good, good. And our resident number one fan, JR, thanks for coming to chat to us today and giving us the insight of how a Ferrari fan feels this season. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Hope to see you guys again. You will, I'm sure. I've been James Tiller. This has been the Everything Everyone podcast. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.